Hello and welcome to Brainy Podcast, looking at creativity and innovation, and with a wonderful mix of neuroscience thrown in, so neuroscience that's bringing new answers and direction to how we grow. So I'm Sarah Shaw, and my co-partner in crime of creativity is Tracy Fuller, and we connected by our passion for understanding what makes people tick, or as Ruby Wax says, what's going on with our mothership. So welcome to Brainy Podcast looking at creativity and innovation. Today, we are exploring when humans are at their best creatively. And our opening gambit on this one is that it's all in our minds. We'll explore what sparks the brain into that creative space and what we hope is to help you understand the potential of your own brain and when to let those creative juices flow. To give depth to our discussion, we're delighted today to be joined by Ema O'Leary, Ema is a visual facilitator, trainer and coach who gets people to feel excited and motivated to boost their own creativity and she gets them to tap into the things that give them joy and energy without feeling guilty. She's also a co-creator of the podcast Dear Phone, It's Not Me, It's You, which is an exploration of our relationship with digital devices and the impact that this has on our creativity and our lives in general. And I'm sure you'll agree that her contribution is perfect for the topic we have of what sparks creativity. Thanks, Tracy. In our intro, I tried to find a little quote that I thought might get us started on this topic of what sparks creativity. And I came across this quote by Abe Tenenbaum. I don't know if you've come across him at all. He was a professor of education and psychology at the Teachers College in Columbia University. He said, the creative person is willing to live with ambiguity. He doesn't need problems solved immediately and can afford to wait for the right ideas. And I thought that was quite a nice summary of what creativity is, which obviously we've explored already, and how someone might tap into that. But I was interested that whether that's quite a nice starting point. What struck me immediately was... There are situations when you have the luxury to be in a land of ambiguity because you're just letting your brain mull things over and work. And then there are other situations where people are kind of almost expected to come up with something creatively or, you know, you're in a a meeting or you're on Zoom or whatever it might be. And so there's a pressure on you to actually achieve that. So how then do you make people feel relaxed enough that they can be creative It's a really common concern that a lot of people have. I often get emails from, you know, companies saying, we need our people to be more creative. Please come and help our people be creative. And there's that energy of pressure that comes with it, that in fact is the very thing that stifles our creativity. Mm. And the point about ambiguity is, is beautiful because it's something that some of us are not very comfortable with. And I feel more and more that that we live in a world that demands certainty. You're either A or B or C or D. You know, that there is less and less opportunity for nuance. And we need that because that's the space where creativity breathes and lives as well. That's an interesting point you make about everybody's now on A, B, C or D. Tracy and I talk a lot. We've talked a lot about it in the series, how people get put into boxes and it's like, right, you you do X, you do Y, you're good at that, you know, and it, it's almost like creativity by numbers, in a sense. Whereas actually, we know that all our brains are so diverse. And that's the beauty of diversity, you know, really great 
teamwork, you know, people actually bringing together their different thoughts. So I think that's a really interesting point you make about not, in a sense, expecting from people, just letting people be who they are. It's part of this concern I have about creativity suffering from reputational damage in that (laughs) people often look at my work, for example. So as you both know, I use a lot of hand-drawn visuals in pretty much everything that I do. And I often get comments like, oh, you're so creative. I'm not like that. I'm not creative at all. As though it it were to be as reductive as to say, if you can draw a picture, you're creative. If you can't draw a picture, you're not creative. So I find myself often pushing against this kind of reductive view of what creativity is. And that's something, Tracy, wasn't it, that we actually talked on in the first series about what is creativity and what Tracy and I have been talking about is all these creative myths that actually don't exist. They're just labels and ways that we block ourselves. But even when you know that, I remember my first conversation with Ema, and that was probably I joined that pack that said, oh, I can't draw. You know, I was so nervous about having that conversation with you about uh, we were looking at sort of more creative flip charts and how I could use less text and more image and how nervous I was about actually putting a different pen to a different piece of paper and coming up with something. I definitely fitted that mold of I'm not creative because... I believe that about my ability to draw. Mm. And of course, there's the damage there that other people tell you things and stories that become yours that you believe. And then you have a conversation with somebody like you that says, no, just do that stroke there or just do that there. And suddenly it's possible. And then it opens up. And I wonder if just coming back to your earlier point, when you were talking about the pressure like in that moment, in a meeting, to come up with an idea, the pressure of peers, the pressure of time to come up with a resolution or a different way of doing something maybe. And then you leave the room and you have all these fantastic ideas just when you've left the room because you've got space. Yeah, it's true. That's one of the main things I would say about creativity is the importance of creating a safe space for people to explore and play and experiment without any pressure as regards what the particular outcome may be. And visual thinking can suffer from this idea of comparisonitis in that people look at someone's drawing and think, oh, I can never do that. So I'm not going to bother or I'll never have those skills to create that beautiful cartoon. And I often say to people, it's not about striving for a particular look it's about bringing your humanity and your personality and your individuality into what you do and even if you draw an apple that (laughs) looks like a smudge on a page I love that because it tells me so much about you it's it's you it's your apple you've just brought into my mind I had a session with a group of directors that were really looking at that next stage in the growth plan and I asked them to draw out what their current success looked like gave them a flip page left them in the room and they were all a little bit awkward to start with and I'll tell you what what they came up with is amazing and some of the metaphors that were built into that drawing really helped settle their thinking on where their challenges had been what they were all bringing as individuals to the to the group context and then leaving space on the page to start building what came next it was fantastic and it all came through imagery which is what you do so well I think Ema 
<laughs> I wasn't <laughs> at that particular meeting, but <laughs> I think what's important there is your role as the facilitator. And I mentioned a safe space. There's also something about how you lead an exercise like that, how your energy creates that safe space, but also the props that you give, which I think are are important part of creativity and help to diffuse some of that pressure, just a couple of key prompts to help people explore, tap into their natural creativity, as opposed to very different or, <laughs> yeah, uh, make it look something like this, you know. So Eva, what would those prompts be? What is it that you do? Yeah, that's a good question, Sorry, I guess it depends on, you know, for me, it depends on the particular exercise that people are doing. So I've been thinking about this and about people who say, oh, I'd love to be a bit more creative. And then where does that take you? And if you just sit with that and do nothing, then that's not so great. However, often what you need to do is just follow that thread of curiosity and think about what you're what you're interested in. So, for example, for me earlier this year, you know, I, I came across a podcasting course and I just thought I really need to do that. I just I just need to do that. And when people look at my work and if I advertise something about a training course around drawing and flip charts and creativity at work, if it speaks to a person, you know, that's that's important, I think, to tune into those instincts and to follow that thread and then enter into the world that you want to be part of. So for me, people are entering to my world of, of visual thinking. I come up with different exercises to help foster that internal desire for creative, for creativity in a visual way. So I will have a series of exercises and prompts. I won't just say to people, um, draw what you like. You know, I might say, I might start a session by saying something like, draw something that makes you smile today. Yeah. Which, you know, if people are thinking, oh, well, my husband is making me smile, but I'm really terrified of drawing a picture of my husband. <laughs> um, they don't they don't have to do that. They might just draw a picture of an apple or they might just draw a smiley face and say, that's my husband or that's you know, someone in my life. I always start a session like that with a very gentle prompt to spark creativity and also remove the pressure saying you don't have to show it to anybody it's just exploring this and I set the time as well for about 60 seconds or two minutes where does creativity reside in our mind how does it how does it show up what's what's going on in our mind when we're creative and that spark goes off you've got all this wonderful connection going on haven't you that's what I mean creativity is going on all over the brain there are different areas that are quite specific at different points but actually it's it's happening when the brain's making connections and Ema's right you do have to have prompts that help you I suppose it's how you frame the question which is what the brain wants which is what we as coaches all do and it's the way that you actually frame it can get very very different results but where it's actually residing in the brain you've got the prefrontal cortex which is the kind of the logical part if you want the decision making part which will be the brief you know, I always think of creativity, the questions is, what's the brief? What are we doing here? And that's the more logical part. And then you've got the other parts of your brain that are more creative, the more, and I, I use, shouldn't use that word, actually, bringing thoughts and random experiences and curiosity and just the way that we live in the world that then lays down things within our brain 
that actually starts to kind of respond to that brief and answer that question. I could go through areas of the brain, and I think we've already talked about those a bit earlier in the series, but it is just giving this flow and this freedom. And I think the biggest thing for me is trust. I think that, you know, if the brain feels safe and secure, that we're trusting, whether that's trusting ourselves or trusting others or trusting the process and that we'll find the answers, that's how the brain works well. I don't know what you think, Ema, what would you say? I love that. I hadn't come across that insight before, the importance of trust. I think that does tie back into the creation of a safe environment and people feeling they trust the process is is key really, isn't it? Because mm. that's the brain relaxes, feels safe, feels able to experiment. Yeah, I love that. That I think helps spark people because there's not the peripheral worry that's going on. You know, you're not going to bump into that, uh, not, not dinosaurs, but whatever it might be, you know, your brain's just in a lovely relaxed kind of state in, in more of the default mode network and not always task focused. I mean, if you think about it, we spend our lives just doing doing, 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 doing. and But actually the times that we do is your point to do some mindfulness or take a lovely walk or just activate the default mode network, the resting part of our brain, that's that's when creativity really can arise, I think. Absolutely. And it's one of the, the tertiary benefits of doing something like drawing or mindfulness or any other activity that promotes that state of relaxation. It's one of the things that surprised me a lot in some ways the feedback I get from people who have attended my courses who come back and say you know I went on your course because I wanted to be more creative and what also happened is that I had a huge boost to my mental health Mm -hmm. because I dedicated you know that hour a week or those couple of days or whatever to being in that relaxed state and nurturing my creativity and it makes me think of what you said earlier I was making a few notes about it feels like there's a series of of words beginning with c but we had curiosity connection but also commitment I think that's really important like listening to the voice in your head that says I really want to be more creative giving that some voice and just following that thread of curiosity to make a commitment we've obviously agreed that starting with the question is quite powerful but also I'd written down the word space as well but not so much literal space like space in your diary but space in your brain you know they're both equally important and you know when I was doing a lot of planning or time management um, support we would look at putting time in for yourself blocking time out with yourself as if it was a meeting that you were committing to with another colleague and so what you're suggesting, Ema, is that you actually do that for your own creative benefit. Yeah, it's about actively removing the distractions that impede your creativity, mm. which ties us in nicely with, with the idea of the relationship that we have with technology and creativity. Glad you brought in the tech because I was also thinking about (laughs) our younger generation because they've been brought up with tech and they're now moving into management positions and career orientated, but they're bringing all of this, what they see as normal technology advancement with them. Do you think because of that, the the younger generation are naturally more creative because they've got things like social media and different ways of connecting to pick up on one of the words of creativity? 
I personally feel that what social media has given us is an insight into lots of different worlds, which can help to spark creativity and can help to give us ideas. With that, the flip side of that is that these worlds come with a myriad of different options. I feel that social media and technology in general opens us up to so many different possibilities that it stunts our creativity, if that makes sense, because we're overwhelmed by all these choices of, oh, we could do that, or maybe we can go on that course, or maybe we can go here, or maybe we should put our money into traveling, or maybe there's so many choices that were not available to the previous generation that I'm curious about whether or not those choices. And, and this, I mean, this is what comes up in the conversations I have with my mentees who were younger than me and are beginning their journey as, as illustrators and, and other areas is that the, it's overwhelm is the biggest mm-hmm. challenge that, that I come across. So um, I, I would love to hear a different opinion on that or different experience. I think the key word you see about email, which is so true, is overwhelm. You know, there is, I think the whole world is going through a, a period at the moment where we're constantly overwhelmed. When I'm working with my clients, you know, I was working with somebody yesterday and they, they literally can't switch off because they're not allowed to switch off because the overwhelm of different platforms, different messages, different ways of doing things different business plans moving strategies changing quite rightly why we need to be innovative in in this this new you know 5.0 world that we're living in so it's how do we help people clear the overwhelm out mm-hmm. because actually i think currently with people using all the new ai stuff they're brilliant some of the visual stuff and the ideas mm-hmm. but it's it's overwhelming you you can't use your intuition because there's too much to intuit about it's like taming the dragon isn't it mm. It's uh, the social media is like, wow, you can do this, you can do that. And it can be a serious source of inspiration if it's used in a helpful way. I think that the key thing is that people respond in different ways to different stimuli. And it's where is there, where do people go when they feel really overwhelmed by social media and text messages and teams pinging and, and all the rest of it? There's a role there for someone or something to support those people, and myself included, in terms of of trying to soften that overwhelm and allow space, as we were talking about, allow space in the brain for creativity to flourish and for ideas to flourish. It just made me think of the irony and the fact that we're talking about options and that there isn't one answer and that they have got this flooding in. Is that not also what happens when your brain gets super creative, when we mm. suddenly start having all these ideas and we it's not overwhelm, it's exciting options. Mm-hmm. And then it's about honing in on which ones feel like the best route. You're right. Absolutely. As some people will feel energized and will interact, say, with social media that will spark ideas and it will turn into something else and something else. And it's great. And then for other people, not not so much the case. Uh, it can be a source of total overwhelm, but usually it's not as black and white in that either. That sometimes people are inspired by social media, and sometimes it feels like a source of overwhelm. So I guess what my point I'm trying to make is that a, a person centered approach to how we interact with technology 
and its relationship to creativity is what's important. What really gets my goat, if I, <laughs> I can say, is people who go around and say, oh, young people and their phones, it's a disgrace. Yeah, which makes me curious about, about technology and social media and our views on young people and phones and all of that. We can we can sort it all out right now, I'm sure, with it, with this conversation. That's what I think is the beauty. What you just said, person centric, because actually, you know, it's about the individuality of of who we are, and our experiences and our knowledge, and and the way that the lens through which we see the world. You know, that's that's neurodiversity in my eyes. And mm-hmm. the more that we're learning about how different brains um, work and think and make connections, and it is person centric. You know what what appeals to one person is completely different to somebody else, and that's the beauty of us as as humans. How do we create brain connections? Because we connection out of the c words you came up with earlier, um, Ema connectivity was one of them. How do we create a brain that connects with those dots and allows us to strive forward as opposed to surviving? I think that's a great question. And I think we have to remember that our brain is making connections all the time. You know, there's that terrible myth you hear about that people only use 10% of their brains or something ridiculous. That's impossible. You'd fall over. I mean, you know, it was just, <laughs> you know your, your brain, all of your brain is working all of the time, making connections. And I think for me, it comes back to um, having had this experience in my life. What you expect is what you get, essentially. And it comes back to this question thing that you need to be clear if you want to direct your brain, which is it's sitting up there by itself in a black box, doesn't really know what's happening. It needs some direction. So actually, you've got to direct your brain. You know, it is maybe sometimes sitting down and going, I wonder what I would have done as a child. What do I? And then just leaving it, just letting it percolate away quite merrily and just see what comes back to you. Love that. I love the idea of uh, percolation. Sometimes do an exercise called morning percolations, Ooh, and I'll lovely. just draw a cup of coffee on the flip chart, and ask people to share their morning percolations. So, what ideas popped up in their brain between the day before and and the morning after? That is lovely. I can smell coffee now. Mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This has just been such a wonderful experience. I've really, really enjoyed this so much. And I think the beauty for me, I don't know about you, Tracy, of doing these podcasts has been that we kind of say goodbye to each other and say, right, we'll see you at the next one. It's thank you so much for joining us. And then your brain just carries on. Yeah. (laughs) To your point, Ema, about having these relationships and conversations and, you know, Tracy, you talking about serendipity. It just sparks you all the time. I think that's that's the beauty of it all. Yes, it's it's true. It's very different doing a podcast. And you could have said to me, okay, Imer, can you just give us your top five blog posts on visual thinking and creativity? The difference between that and creating something through conversation is huge, isn't it? I'm just going to add that C, conversation, oh, yeah. to your Cs. Yeah. So we've got curiosity, connection, commitment, courage, conversation i have one in there that sounds like a c but is not a c but we could we could weave it in in a very cheesy kind of way which is question oh you could you could spell it like cw i mean that's a horrible i mean people who are 
professors of English literature are crying into their coffees, as I say. Yeah, <laughs> they wouldn't say that's connection, would they? They wouldn't say that's they creative. That. They'd say it's incorrect. Incorrect. <laughs> I think it's lovely. I think it's I love a it. way of putting it. Certainly cheesy, that's for sure. Yeah. Up against the sea. And suddenly the word overwhelm has disappeared and we're left with our new model of C's. Um, we've got question, however you spell it. We've got flow, freedom, underpinned by trust. And also I grabbed hold of the word play. Do you realise that was used quite a lot? Did you? And, and exploration. So they're really lovely words. And one of the tangible things that I'm going to take away is around space, both space in your brain and space in your diary. Yeah. And ties us back into the opening statement around the creative person being somebody who's willing to live with ambiguity. Mm. That ambiguity and space are closely connected. Yeah, nice. And actually another word we haven't used is feeling comfortable with those choices. And I think creativity is about feeling comfortable. It's about that confidence that actually I don't have to get someone's approval that this is right or wrong. This is me, you know, and I have to be comfortable and and confident with that. That's a really good point, Soraya. It comes back. I think personally it comes back to commitment. That comes up a lot for me when I'm teaching drawing to people because what can happen is somebody starts to draw a picture of a horse about 10% of the way in. They think that is absolutely ridiculous it doesn't look like a horse and they start tearing up the page or and I often say just just commit to getting down what you need to get down right now just just finish it just close the circle just stick stick ahead on that horse then step back and look at it and think okay could I maybe do this differently next time that's one of the reasons why I do sometimes say to people when you learn to draw on on an ipad because the editing function is so quick and easy, it means that people don't, sometimes don't, build that muscle memory to committing what it's like to physically draw an image on a page because they'll start self-editing and then start editing on the iPad very quickly. And another point about that is that when I speak to people and they say, oh, I look back at my drawing from you know six months ago or two years ago and I'm so embarrassed, I can't believe I put that out there. And I always say, you know, celebrate that journey of your creativity. There's so much to be learned from kind of looking back. I love looking back at my old drawings. I mean, I sometimes I do think, my goodness, I can't believe I put that out there, but I'm so glad that I did. <laughs> I kind of honor that younger person who, who was doing their best and who shared something with the world, even though they mightn't have felt it was, they were completely comfortable with it. I went off on a total tangent there, Soraya. Sorry, but there was something you said that sparked something in me that felt I needed to share that importance of that. That's wonderful. That's what we want. And that's the one word we haven't used that you just used, which is celebration. Yeah. Um, And I'm sorry, everyone who's listening, if we're going on about the seas, but they just seem to be such a connection that we're all, it's sparking ideas and thoughts and memories uh, for us as well, which I think is so rich. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Probably come up with too many C's for a model now. We'll need to start condensing <laughs> yeah. it. We reached we reached peak C and now it's a law of diminishing marginal returns. Ema, next week we are going to be looking at what blocks creativity. So things like stress and lack of time. So we talked about making time for creativeness. 
and also our own limiting beliefs. And sometimes they can have a lot of stories. Anything you want us to take through to the next session that would help satisfy you? Hopefully you'll listen in. For me, identity is a, is a big thing that comes up in my work, that people don't identify as someone who is creative. And I would love to learn more about ways to loosen that. Creative identity and how to loosen that. Yeah, yeah. powerful. Eva, thank you very, very much. I really enjoyed that from where we started. It's just a lovely, lovely conclusion. <laughs> Thanks, folks. If you want to know more about what's going on with Brainy Podcasts, packed with how-tos and general resources, go to our website, brainycast.com.